Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Hello, hello. My name is Vina, and I am your Dark Travels hostess. Tonight, we finish with the Amityville Horror Part 2. So yes, we are definitely venturing off the beaten path and discussing the Amityville Horror. Joining me tonight is Jamie, my horror fan fan friend. (laughs) Hello. So just so you know, Jamie is the one that if there's a scary movie out or if, you know, she wants to check out this movie, rent, you know, rent a movie. We we don't go to the theaters too much these days, but, you know, we usually make those kind of plans because that's her jam. Horror, stabbing, killing is her jam. (laughs) (laughs) So. When we last got together, we discussed the first part of the Amityville Family Massacre. We talked about Ronald DeFeo. He had died recently on March 12th, 21. And, of course, this massacre leads to a controversial paranormal situation that follows shortly thereafter. So, tonight, we're going to discuss the Amityville actual horrors. Uh, Well... Uh, allegedly, as Panda Mike would say. Right. Okay, so the house itself actually gets cleaned up, and it gets placed on the market. 13 months later, at a dramatically reduced price of $80,000. I mean, $80,000, right? This is a five-bedroom, you know, house. In 2016, it sold for 850000 or it was listed for 850000 Right, listed. Now... Obviously, the reduced price is due to the murders, okay? And in December of 1975, the Lutz family moves in. The Lutz family consists of George, the husband, and stepdad, Kathy, the mom, and their children, Daniel, Christopher, and Missy, the the only girl. Now, Jamie, you've seen the movie. I have seen the movie. It's been a long time. I was very young when I saw it. Obviously, it came out in 1979. I was seven years old. Okay. Um, I don't know that I saw it, like, right when it first came out, but it was probably within, like, five years of that, you know, within those five years. Okay. At some point. I was I was young. But that's, I mean, I grew up watching those kind of movies. My family, all my entire family's horror fans, so. Right. My dad took great pleasure in scaring us every chance he got whenever we were watching them. So, is there any particular part that was like, oh my God. <laughs> the scene in the basement, obviously, you know, towards the end of the movie is with the dogs and, you know, him pulling the dogs out of the, the hole in the basement. And then, obviously, Jody. Okay. The demonic pig with the, the red eyes. The pig floating outside the bedroom window, yes. With the red eyes. Yes. Okay. Well, my more memorable moment, 
I think I was dating somebody I would, you know, marry later on. But uh, we're watching the movie, and he wasn't necessarily a, a horror fan. It just wasn't his jam. Okay. Should have seen that as a foreshadowing, but whatever. Point is, when the priest enters the home, and he's, you know, getting all hot and, like, something's not right here. Right. And the demonic voice does his, does that. Get out. Correct. <laughs> my, uh, my boyfriend was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that is my Amityville horror movie uh, story. All right. To be honest, I actually should have watched the movie prior to doing this episode but I was really actually kind of excited and with the research that I did with the DeFeo uh, De situation I just felt like there was so much to that that I was I was surprised mm -hmm. but now the Lutzes are in the home right and they're only there 28 days correct when they move in you had mentioned that you knew some things about when they moved in. Yes, the DeFeo estate, from some of the research that I found with the interviews and things, was that when they moved into the house, the furniture from the DeFeo estate was still in the house. The oh, most of the furniture, okay, bed frames, apparently like mattresses had been. It's like the mom and dad's bed frames. Yes, the children's bed frames. Yes. Okay. Well, that's that's like no right. Yeah. Like. Um, yeah, not only am I buying this house that there were, you know, six people killed in, but I'm going to sleep in their beds, too. Right. That's like a no thank you. Yeah. I'll pass. Yes. <laughs> Negative ghostwriter, the pattern is full. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not today, Satan. Ex that's it, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, uh, so 28 days, okay? Yes. And during the course of the 28 days, you, what were some of the things that... So apparently some of the things that they claim to have happened, green slime from the ceilings, insect swarms, um, demonic face glowing red eyes, which is Jody we mentioned earlier, and cloven hoof prints in the snow where approximately Jody would have been. Right. Of course that was... Now Jody, in case you guys don't know, was the demonic pig. Yes. That... That floated outside of the bedroom window, yes. And I think engaged more with Missy. Yes, the girl. Right. Yes. But I think the dad saw the glowing red eyes. Yeah, I think I think at some point he finally did see the eyes, yes. Right. So what else? That's really it as far as I got out of my researching. Um, obviously, people, you know, it's controversial. People, you know, there's people that believe. There's people that don't believe. Supposedly, some of the people that were trying to discredit, one of the things that they pointed out was that during the time frame of when all of this supposedly happened, there was apparently no snow right. in the area, so there couldn't have been any hoof prints. Right. So in my research, some of the things that they also claim to have happened, drained foul odors. Right. Um, I also came across the green slime oozing from the walls. Mm -hmm. uh, Kathy claimed to be having nightmares where she actually witnessed the murders. Oh, and they did actually say a priest did come, and there was a voice that screamed, get out. That was actually in part of the interviews where people were discrediting because apparently 
in one version at least, their priest actually never did go to the house. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I got a little tidbit about that a okay. little bit down the line. All right. So, but other things, mm-hmm. the nearby garage was opening, closing by itself. There was a spirit knocking a knife, you know, around in the kitchen. At one point in time, George would be waking up and finding Kathy levitating in her bed. The sons would be levitating in their beds. And one of the big ones was George was constantly waking up at approximately 3.15. Which supposedly is when the murders happened. Correct. Yes. And so in in conjunction to all of this, they also claimed hearing mysterious voices. Windows were opening up and closing on their own. Furni- you mentioned... Furniture moving by itself. Correct. You mentioned... Uh, and insects, so right, right, plagues of flies. Mm-hmm. They even claimed to have seen phantom hooded forms. There were hot, cold spots. Not only furniture moving, but uh, just regular objects. And you know, the movie, you know, suggests that George actually even gets possessed. But I mean, it's based off the information that they provided to the author and right. produced the movie. And then there's also. The, the claims of Kathy being beaten and scratched, George's personality change, and it just basically a 28-day nightmare. Right. Some of the other claims, and I'm not sure, I kind of tried to think back. Like I said, I haven't watched the movie actually in a very long time. I wanted to say that the in the movie there was at least an indication that it, the house was possibly built on Indian burial ground. I'm I, not sure if I'm remembering that correctly or not. Correct. But there was, in my research, there was mention that there were vengeful spirits of early Indians, Native Americans, and that also there were early settlers that were devil worshippers. Right. Now, that also, both of those imp- both of those little tidbits also are very controversial. There have been people that have discredited that, saying that neither of that, I mean, neither of those are correct that the Native Americans that were in the area were actually like 70 miles away on the other side of the island. Um, so, Right, and I think I even read they spoke to a Native American who would have been, who would have had knowledge of this area, and I think he said, we wouldn't have buried anybody there. This is bad land, right? and we don't bury our people on what we consider bad land. Right. So, so it does kind of give away to something not being correct. But you had mentioned devil worshiping, and right. believe it or not, George was said to have had a history of dabbling with the occult. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they have this supposed 28-day nightmare, right? And it's interesting because some things, just like the DeFeo situation, doesn't, add up right so after they leave uh, george and kathy actually were administered lie detector tests to prove their innocence to prove their aversion and they actually passed which (laughs) i don't even okay i mean this is amateur night right so i i'm was surprised to come across that and then but of course you know, with the skeptics, it you have to mention that they were actually bogged down in legal and financial issues, and that kind of contributes to the critics saying, "Well, they're making this all up to gain to make money." Right. In fact, even and this is this is kind of the weird a weird kind of twist of fate, not necessarily paranormal related, 
But they actually get involved with Ronnie DeFeo's attorney, William Weber. Correct. And, you know, according to him, later on down the line, they he admits that they, all of them, made this entire thing up over several bottles of wine. Right. I, I mean, found, yeah, I found that in my research also, which leads to this being dubbed, you know, an admitted hoax. Right. Correct. And, but then, but then. Right. The son, the eldest son, the one that would probably remember the most, mm-hmm. he says, he says, you know, this incident completely ruined my house or (laughs) (laughs) probably that too yes ruined my life and that he continues to have nightmares about it and while um some of the incidents are true the dad did kind of exasperate Mm -hmm. some of the incidences right but on the same token christopher the middle child the second son who was younger a couple years younger Says it was all made up. And Missy's not talking. Right. Missy's like, I'm not addressing this itch. I'm out. So, obviously, secondary sources mm-hmm. come in. And, you know, we're talking Ed and Lorraine. Right. Warren. Ed and Lorraine Warren. Right. Yes. Our favorite conjuring people. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Self-taught demonologist, Ed. And um, Lorraine is a psychic, basically medium okay they investigated i think they said um, i read about an interview that lorraine gave in 2005 i believe it was and that's where i read about the furniture from the defeo estate when the lutzes were living there in her interview she says they were just there to do research they weren't actually trying to prove or disprove anything they were just you know there to get facts right but she does claim in the interview that right from the very beginning she felt uncomfortable about it to the point where she actually felt threatened um, by the house or by the whole situation. She even asked the some clergy to go with her in spirit, quotations, in mm-hmm. spirit, and she took a religious relic with her for protection and for connection with the clergy. Right. Do Being a demon, well, running around with a demonologist. Right. <laughs> I'm sure she has her own tools. I mean, a lot of mediums and psychics have their tools. Right. To either fine-tune, you know, connection to the other side. So, I mean, that doesn't surprise me to hear that she brought her, right, you know, right, her little medicine bag. Yeah. She even comments, I know you mentioned earlier that George Lutz was kind of into the occult or su- allegedly into Correct. the occult. She actually mentions that um, Ronnie was very vulnerable at the time that the murders occurred, heavy into drugs, and also practicing with the occult. Okay, well, that's news to me, but I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Right. You know, trying something new to get rid of daddy. Right. Uh, or get his life together. Who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, Satan help me now. And what was their conclusion? They did conclude that there was activity. They didn't, um, in the interview that I did read during my research, there wasn't a lot of specifics. Like I said, she said that they were there, you know, collecting research and stuff. Um, basically, they did conclude, though, that there was activity in the house. Um, you know, if you've ever watched any of the movies related to their research and everything, like The Conjuring, Annabelle, um, they usually bring relics home with them. Correct. For safekeeping. 
Correct. They actually did not bring anything home from the Amityville house. I don't know if that was because it was early in their researching career or investigating career. They just haven't hadn't started that particular aspect yet. Right. But she, you know, from what I was reading, she made a point of saying that they brought nothing from that house. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if the paranormal activity that she was referring to was initiated by the massacre or was occurring before. Right. Because, again, in, in the previous podcast, we discussed how the house was built in 19, I think, 25, 24, 25. And it gets, you know, built. People live their lives there. They die and then, you know, get sold and. I think the DeFeo family was like the third or fourth family to own the house. Mm-hmm. I know that the couple prior, the Rileys, they were getting a divorce. So, you know, everyone makes it till the DeFeo family takes it. So, it. I mean, it would just have been interesting to know if the paranormal activity was, I don't want to say ancient, but related to time before or you know, strictly or directly related to the to the DeFeo situation. Right, right. So after all is said and done, uh, <laughs> after the let's leave and, you know, things start moving in terms of, you know, controversies and questions and authors wanting to sell their story and whatnot – Actually, a lot of people surrounding this situation get sue happy, like they start suing everybody. The the owners who purchased the house from the Lutz actually sue them because of the infamy now associated with the house and tourists who literally came from all over the world coming up to their house, wanting to see, peeking in the windows, tramping right. through their yard. To just see if they could see, you know, Jody or whatever. Right. You know, the demonic pig. So the follow-up owner, Sue the Lutzes, for that little tidbit. And we, you had mentioned earlier that even the father had said, uh, that never happened. Well, Father Ralph Picario, the guy mentioned in the book, actually sues the publishing company and the Lutzes for distorting, you know, basically his involvement in this particular incident and you know for invasion of privacy and everything gets settled out of court and even Weber he sues for his share of the profits from the book and the original movie because again he's like we all work together right to bring this baby to light and so they the Lutzes end up settling out of court with that and then the Lutzes turn around and try and sue Weber on the basis that it wasn't a hoax. It was really real. But they're like the only ones that don't win their lawsuit. It's it's very curious. It's very interesting how everything kind of, the fallout of this situation is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, today, the Amityville house actually still stands. Mm -hmm. It's almost 100 years old. However, some previous owner between the Lutzes and now managed to get the address changed. So we all know that it was at, you know, 112 Ocean Avenue. Correct. It's actually now at 108 Ocean Avenue. 
I'm not really sure what to make a difference is there. I, I, yeah, what's the address going to affect? Correct. And a couple of the owners actually end up making some changes to the house, which I actually think is very interesting for one reason that we'll get into in a second. But, like, for instance, if you look at pictures of the house now, the arched eyes, windows on the third right, floor right. are now, I think, square windows. Okay. And I guess there was a, a pool. The pool's been filled in and a nice patio or sunroom has been added. So some things have been changed. And the thing that strikes me as curious is with all this construction going on, right, and you and I both kind of being amateurs in the paranormal investigation world, right? there are certain things that trigger absolutely paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. The main one being construction. So... This house has been owned by four other families. They've done work to it, and none of the families are claiming that there's a problem. So the basic end result of all this, between the brutal DeFeo family murders and the Lutz's claims of paranormal activity, this entire situation becomes basically a catalyst for what will become the Amityville horror phenomenon. Right. Like I said before, the Lutz family actually meet with Jay Anson, and he writes their story. The book, called The Amityville Horror, is released in 1977. And in 1979, the film adaptation of the book gets released, and it actually becomes the highest-grossing independent film of all time. And, and the people are just you know, mad about this movie or the concept or, you know, scary houses, I guess. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, this actually spawns another 27 movies that reference Amityville. And this actually includes Conjuring 2 because the opening scene of The Conjuring 2 is Ed and Lorraine Warren being at the Amityville house and doing their investigation. Right. And it's interesting because... You know, the the home, the pictures of the home, especially like in the 70s, I mean, it was totally decked out in 70s style. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, real people live there, real families live there, and it just seems one bad thing after another. Right. But it stops, or supposedly stops, with the uh, Lutzes. Yeah, I was just reading this, um, a little bit more information about the Ed and Lorraine investigation, and it does say that there hasn't been any more activity but also, there's a little bit more information about their investigation. It says, during the investigation, Ed was physically pushed to the floor while using some religious provocation in the basement. Lorraine was also overwhelmed by the sense of a demonic presence and was plagued by her psychic impressions of the DeFeo family's bodies laid along the floor, covered in white sheets, and a sense of physically being pushed back. They captured an image of a spirit that appeared to be a little boy peering from the second floor. also mentions... Um, Prior to the colonial, the Dutch colonial house being constructed in 1924, that property was used by a John Ketchum that was a practice, practicing black magician. Okay. Um, and had a cottage on the land prior to the construction of the colonial. It says that he requested that his remains be buried on the property and they remain there till this day. Hmm. And that the Shinnecock Indians 
also at one time had an enclosure on this land that was used to house the sick and the mad. Okay. And that were left to die there. So basically leaving a bad juju impression on the land with right. the sickness and, right. and so the, the, the sane. I mean, from our research and from, you know, our amateur experience, you know, things that we've come across, obviously, you know, um, one of the big things they say is, you know, that land absorbs all of that negative energy. Correct. In fact, um, you mentioned the spirit of the boy that's actually mentioned or shown in Conjuring 2. She remember she follows right, the right. little boy around. Mm-hmm. You know, the part that gets me, though, is Kathy and George pass the, the lie detector test. Right. And, I mean, I don't know what the technology was at the time that this was administered, but that to me, is still kind of significant, especially since we're not talking about professional liars. Right. That's, and George and Kathy, I believe, are dead now, so. You know, one of the things that um, I hear a lot in just life in general and my profession is that every story begins with a little bit of truth. Like a kernel truth. Exactly. You know, there's two sides to every story, but somewhere in the middle, there's just a little kernel of truth somewhere. And, and so you think about it, okay, like, you know, George was saying he exaggerated what had happened. So that leads me to think, okay, well, obviously there was something that happened, maybe not to the extent that, you know, they made the movie or, you know, the original story that Hollywood up. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, that's a perfectly and logical thread of thought. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, the authors in the business of selling books. Right. The movie industry is in the interest of selling movies. And I mean, even in The Conjuring, which you know is my favorite movie ever. Right. right. There's even conflict. <laughs> the Perrion family was like, that didn't happen. Right. <laughs> None of that happened. Uh, they supposedly, the father, the Perrion, Mr. Perrion, kicked out Ed and Lorraine Warren because they summoned a demon to the house. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you you just have to really pay attention to who's saying what and what their potential motivation is. But more importantly, they want to either clarify or promote. Right. So either way, we, we discussed the house recently sold or was listed on the market for $850 I mean, I'm sorry, $850,000 in 2016, <laughs> but it sold in 2010 for 950000 Okay. I mean, that's it. I mean, it was a beautiful, I don't know about beautiful, but a rather spacious house and 30 miles from oh, yeah. New York. Five bedrooms and, you know. A boathouse. A boathouse, a beautiful property. Correct. So, I mean, prime real estate, basically. The not, lot- not to mention all the notoriety that comes with it, whether... I mean, obviously, you know, if you don't like that kind of thing, you're not going to be looking at that house. But you got to think that if someone's going to pay $950,000 for a home, when they know the history of it, they're looking at some of that notoriety. Correct. Correct. Like, yeah, I live in the end of the house. Right. Where you live. Where you live. Right. <laughs> Can't compete. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I, I think that wraps up uh, Emmyville Horror Part 2. Um, for now, I'd like to thank my special guest, Jamie, my horror fan friend, <laughs> <laughs> for joining me. But, I mean, you know, we're talking about something that we both truly, truly enjoy. Right. And I think that uh, 
just I I didn't like I said before I did not know that a lot of this stuff and I just lived off the movie right you know absolutely I mean when you first invited me you know I was thinking I don't really know a whole lot but I did some research and found out a lot of stuff that I didn't know so right so final words thank you (laughs) thank you for inviting me letting me be a part of this um it was truly educational right not so scary right right yeah (laughs) All right, so some business. I I'm on Facebook, 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 guys. And if you're interested or curious, just send me a request. Also, too, in the future, in a couple of weeks, we are looking to host a special guest from Australia, the land down under. I'm referring to Bill with the Australian Paranormal Society. However, if you have a place that you would someday like to see where their dark corners are, or have a specific tourist attraction in mind, send me an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. So until next time, please remember only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is why I hope to meet you where the dark corners are. Mm-hmm.